0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayake. great fellow designers and educators welcome back um, you're here with Rashan and um, we've got a very very special guest here today um, he is another um, young entrepreneur 18 years old and the founder and CEO of Bop Industries um, he is an inspiration to a lot of um, uh, of the millennial generation and he has a very interesting career. He's deferred a university degree to pursue a career in entrepreneurship, where he did found um, BOP Industries. He's super passionate when it comes to everything to do with creativity, technology, as well as entrepreneurship. Um, and he's sharing what he knows and his technical knowledge with uh, schools and uh, young people around Australia. So let's make him feel welcome. Thank you so much for giving up your time, mate. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rashad. I'm really happy to be here. uh, Do you mind starting off with a little bit of um, background on yourself and and your story? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I'm Scott, I'm 18 years old and I'm also the CEO and founder of a company called Bop Industries on the mission to inspire the next generation of digital creators, showing young people the amazing things they can do from the classroom and from all around Australia. So for me, I initially started my journey um, when I was 14 years old as part of a grade nine business project. Um, Part of my school's business program is in term four of every year, we get into groups, We develop products, we write business plans, and we pitch them to our business teachers for $100 investment. Um, And as a 14-year-old, $100 is a pretty big deal. And it's (laughs) pretty cool, um, yeah, being able to run an actual business after spending the whole year learning all this theory, being able to put it into practice and see what does and doesn't work. So my group and I, we developed these things called the hashtag keyrings. We made them in our school's laser cutter just out of some acrylic. um, And they had a hashtag and then a word after them. Um, And you can have anything from sassy, bro, sis, and any color like that. Yeah. And we started selling them just around the school community for a term, and within a term we made about four or five hundred dollars, which as a group of fourteen-year-olds is awesome. Like we thought we hit the jackpot. Um, (laughs) Tuck shop was sorted, and for the rest of the year, for the rest of the year, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, And getting paid to do our assignments was pretty sweet as well. So that was kind of my first real taste of running a business. And as a kid, I'd always been one of those kids that. I had always wanted to be a big kid, like even from a really young age, like five, six years old. I was always um, one of those kids that wanted to sit at the adult's table at dinner time and just like listen to their conversations, Um, whether or not I could participate um, was a totally different thing. But I just wanted to listen and soak up as much information as I could. And I think as a 14 year old, getting to run my own business was a really awesome experience. Um, I remember one night sitting at home I was I'd always looked up to my mom she was a total work. she's a total workaholic um but that's I think where I get it from and I remember this one night we just finished dinner and um, my mom was sitting on the couch typing up a report for her work and I felt so adulty because I got to sit next to her on my computer typing up a report for my work and my little like business um but yeah it was that was my first real taste of business I was a um, pretty good student in school like I got A's B's did really well and gave 110 percent but Nothing really stood out for me until this experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Up until then, I was a massive performing arts kid. I loved like drama, music, um, dance. I loved my sciences and I loved my sports as well. Um, But business was just something really special, getting that real world experience from such a young age. So from there, it was that summer holidays I was looking for a job, but found as a 14-year-old with no prior experience and a pretty busy extracurricular schedule... It was really hard to find a part-time job. So I thought, you know what, let's go back to the markets. Let's keep selling these key rings and see where we go from there. And it was a really low risk but really easy way to start learning about business and making some money. I'd go along on a Saturday morning. I'd set up my stall for four hours, pay like 30 bucks um, to the people that organize the markets and sell a few hundred dollars worth of key rings. And it was really great because I got to talk to my customers, meet them face to face and really see who they were. I got to find out what they did and didn't like about our product. And then I also had that experience dealing with suppliers and customers and everything in between um, that comes with running a business. And that started growing really rapidly. We got a lot of traction. We started going to more and more markets. um, And before too long, someone suggested, Hey, why don't you start selling these online? You know, people all around the world would buy them. Um, And I'd never really thought of that before. And I thought, you know, let's jump on this e-commerce bandwagon. Um, And open an Etsy and an eBay store, so it's exactly what we did. We started selling these keyrings online, um, and really quickly we started learning about like Facebook ads, Google ads. Um, and grew from selling just a couple of key rings every month to a few hundred keyrings every month. And it got to a point where we were selling a few thousand keyrings every month. Wow. Um, and by that point, it was really funny up until then, I was just cutting these keyrings on the school's laser cutter. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where the school was like, actually, Scott, we've got to use this laser cutter for students assessment. That's what it's here for. Um, it might be time for you to graduate and get your own. So yeah. as a 15 year old, I saved up um, a few thousand dollars, bought my own laser cutter off eBay and... Had that sitting in Dad's backyard, just running twenty four seven, pumping out these keyrings. Brilliant, um, and it was great. We got to work with companies like QUT, the Queensland Museum, and even some big corporates over in Europe, um, and shipping these keyrings to countries I'd never even heard of before. And it was really awesome. It's such a good way to get started in business. On a Sunday afternoon, I'd sit down and schedule all my Facebook ads for the week. I'd go to school during the week. I'd be at school from like seven in the morning till six o'clock most days. I'd get home, I'd see what orders had come through throughout the day, um, cut them out on the laser cutter and then head down to the post office um, that evening. And it was just such a great way to get started in business. But from there, I thought, you know what, these key rings are pretty great. Um, they're a really good way to get started, but I want to get into the tech space. Um, and fortunately, because we had the key ring business already set up, we were able to use um, our own funding to get into the tech space instead of having to go to investors as a 15-year-old asking for lots of money. Yep. Um, and for me, I wasn't a kid that was... I was one of those kids that lived in the technology classroom, funnily enough. Um, as I mentioned, I was super creative. I was pretty sporty and I was into my sciences, but coding and technology was never really something that appealed to me. Um, and my technology and program at school, all we, d- we really did was code different websites and stuff like that. So from a young age, I kind of had the impression that all technology is as being a website developer, and that wasn't really something that appealed to me. So... I jumped on YouTube, I typed in cool tech tutorials and found a tutorial teaching me how to make holograms out of cut out CD cases. So I thought, you know what? That sounds pretty doable. Like, let's give it a go. Um, I burned through about 20 of mum's best CD cases. She wasn't too impressed. (laughs) Um, The Nora Jones CDs were all across the floor. Um, But within this night, I'd created my first hologram. And I was just entranced. I think I sat there for about an hour or two hours just sitting there watching these jellyfish float above my phone. And it was being used as a bit of a gimmick, but I could see some real world case studies um, coming out from that. And What I did was I took it to my school's design teachers first thing the next morning. Um, And I said to them, hey, I've built this thing. Can you help me prototype and turn it into a real product? Um, So over a week, um, I worked with my design teachers, my business teachers, and my media teachers, prototyping, building business plans, and everything like that. Um, And within a week, I was ready to launch our first product. And we just chucked it up on those online stores. And again, we said to our customers hey, we don't know what you're going to use these holograms for, but send us some photos and videos for some inspiration. Mm -hmm. And what was really special was the um, array of photos and videos we had coming back in. We had kids over in the UK that were using them as holographic pets where they could have a kitten or a puppy dog running around on their bedside table. Um, We had teachers in Singapore using it to deliver content to their students where they could have... Cleopatra or Winston Churchill standing inside the classroom. Brilliant. Um, and here in Australia, we initially had a lot of events and marketing companies reaching out, saying it's something special. We've never really seen it before. And it's a great way to capture attention. Yeah. Um, and I think what, one of the highlights was, was about two or three weeks after we'd started selling these holograms online, we had a big events and marketing company in Brisbane reach out, um, just via our Etsy store. And they said, Hey Scott, we've seen these holograms. We've got a big event coming up. Can you come and meet with us ASAP? Um, So I thought, okay, you know what, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, Took the next morning off school and went into their offices in Eagle Street in Brisbane, Um, went up to the 54th floor or something like that, and I walk in and they've got about 15 of their staff sitting at a big boardroom table overlooking the city waiting to meet me. Um, And at this point I'd just turned 16 years old. Wow. So I was like, oh, geez. Um, And... I sat down with them and they said, Right, Scott, we've seen these holograms. We haven't seen them before and we really want some. Um, we've got a big event coming up in two weeks' time for a big client. We need 200,000 holograms and we've got a budget of about half a million dollars. What can you do for us? And I'm sitting there as a 16 year old getting quizzed about whether my supply chain's in India or China, who my investors <laughs> are, what's my risk mitigation strategy. And I was just like totally blown away. Um, yeah that this company wanted to work with me. And I eventually just came clean. I said, guys, I'm 16 years old. Um, I've got a rundown laser cutter in dad's backyard and I've got to run for a math exam in 20 minutes. Um, yeah. But what was really special was I was expecting them to laugh me out of the room and they said, we don't care. We want to work with you to develop a whole range of holograms for the events and marketing space. Um, they'd seen the previous experience I'd had with the key rings and they really liked what I was doing. Um, and I think they had a really really clear vision that young people have got some really special things going on and a really special outlook on the world so they wanted to work with me to develop these units for the events and marketing space um and that's that's exactly what we did we sat down we brainstormed exactly what they should look like how they should work how they should be priced um and then we started building just more and more holograms Um, learning as much as we could about the technology and getting out to as many events as we could and we started working with some pretty cool clients like we worked with Audi we worked with NEC um worked with the Queensland Museum and a whole range of clients all across Australia and um I spent my year 11 and 12 yeah flying all around the country working with different events um partying with like prime ministers presenting to executives it was crazy um And it was such a unique experience as a year 11 and 12 student that was studying business and technology um, whilst also running a a technology business. Um, And I learned a lot of really interesting things along the journey. Um, And it got to the point where I was finishing up year 12 and I had more and more schools reaching out saying, hey, Scott, can you come talk to our students? Can you do a presentation for us? And then we had um, the World Science Festival reach out saying, Mm -hmm. hey, Scott, can you run some workshops for us? And I thought, well, sure. Like I do this all the time. Like we work with holograms and tech and we talk to school students. Why not marry the two and build some sort of programs? Of course. Um, So I got a bunch of mates together. Um, We had about eight of us take a couple of days off school and go and do the World Science Festival. And they kept warning us in the lead up, it's going to be busy. Um, Little did we know, we had, I think, about 180,000 people come through the festival in four days. Um, And I think we counted, we interacted with about at least 4,000 people in four days, which was a couple of hundred people every single hour, Um, which was crazy, but so much fun and such a great learning curve. Um, and from there, we just had more and more schools reaching out saying, can you come run these workshops for us? Um, and We saw there was a real demand um, from teachers saying, we want our students to be able to learn how they can do what you've done. And we want them to learn about technology, but with that focus on creativity. We want to see how they can start their own small businesses, start their own social enterprises and really grow those. Um, so we started doing more and more workshops. And um, it got to the point where we now run workshops every single week all across the country. And now we're expanding to all around the world. Um, So as for me, I spent my year 12, I was spending about five weeks of every term um, away from school traveling um, to work with different clients and um, learn as much as I could, which was fantastic. Um, Ended up graduating with two scholarship offers um, for university, which was pretty awesome. Like as a student that I did well um, in my year 12 exams, but not academic scholarships by any means. I was just saying, we've seen the awesome experiences you've had and we want more students to be like that. Um, Can you come study our degrees? and? I ended up deferring those and turning the, um, scholarships down, which was a fun conversation with my school and my parents and all of
0: that. Um, were you, did you have support or were you kind of standing by yourself saying, no, this is what I wanted to do or did anyone else actually support, um, your decision?
1: Yeah, I was very torn actually, I think when it came to graduating year 12, um, what I wanted to do I had I didn't have a lot of support from my school my school was very much of the mindset that you go to school you do as well as you can and you go to university then you get a job like get some internships get a job and start climbing the corporate ladder um so they like the thought of me even just deferring university they were like no nah, you're just done for like you've just thrown your life away um and the I was usual really, mentality yeah <laughs> usual mentality of a school um but I was really fortunate that I had the support of my parents, especially my dad. Um, That's great. He really believed in me, which was fantastic to see, and he stood up for me. Like, I remember um, at one point, school was getting really annoyed that I was missing so much school. Um, and I had the head of senior schooling turn around and say, um, you have no right to tell us when you will and won't be at school. Um we don't work for you, we work for your parents. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, you work for my parents. My parents are going to have to tell you when I will or won't be at school. But (laughs) it's just a shame that I would give you two weeks' notice, whereas my parents will tell you the day of. Um, And I remember after that conversation... I was about to head off for my next like tour, um, for about five weeks and I was standing at the airport about to board a flight to like Melbourne or Perth or somewhere. And I get a call from the head of senior schooling saying, um, Scott, you're, we just got a call from your dad saying you're going to be away for the next five weeks. And we haven't really had time to prepare for that. Yeah. Um, do you have any ideas of what we can do? And I was like, Oh, look, really sorry. I don't work for, you don't work for me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just a student and you're the teachers. You should tell me what to do. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, so I was really fortunate that I had a lot of support from my dad and yeah. I think my, parents always took the mentality that as long as I was making money as long as I was learning and as long as I was enjoying what I was doing Mm -hmm. um they were really happy they pretty Mm -hmm. much said they were like look Scott graduate get that year 12 certificate so it's a nice fallback um in the worst case scenario and then we sort of structured it that I was going to defer university for just one year um take a gap year run the business and see how it went and Mm -hmm. in that gap year um I'm just going into now my second year out of school, running the business full time. And in that gap year, I got to have some crazy experiences. I'm partying with prime ministers over in Thailand. I got to present to executive teams of companies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to travel over like 80,000 kilometers working with over 12,000 students all across the world, which was fantastic. Um, so yeah, now going full-time in the business um, again for another year and
0: saying goodbye to university for good. Um, and you're not even 19 years old? Not even 19 yet, no. <laughs> Mate, I think you're, that's a true inspiration for a lot of listeners, even our teachers, all the younger listeners. That's amazing. Um, if you don't mind, let's get a little bit technical. Mm. And uh, can you give us, uh, give us an explanation or um, your expertise on firstly, what is AR? and uh, it's a question that I get a lot from the teachers that we work with and um, even though um, there's some understanding that it's something to do with Pokemon Go <laughs> um, what's what's your expertise because that's that's um, where you're, you're coming from yeah absolutely I love augmented reality
1: um, and augmented reality is probably my favourite of the technologies and the different realities that you can um, work with. I always say to my kids um, in the workshops, I always get them to put their hands up and firstly say, have you played with Pokemon Go? Yeah. Um, and a few of them put their hands up because it is starting to get a little bit old. I'm feeling it is. quite <laughs> archaic now. <laughs> like, I remember the Pokemon Go days. Um, but I always use the example, like one that's really current and that I think will keep current for the next couple of years is the Snapchat face filters. Mm-hmm. It's a great example of it where you can overlay different like filters on your face. You can be like a dog, you can be a cat, anything like that. Um, but I see augmented reality as kind of overlaying um some sort of onto the existing yeah world. overlaying onto the existing world so you can like scan a photo on your phone um, and you might see the photo come to life like fireworks will start shooting out you might scan a poster and there'll be a um like dragon's head popping out and breathing fire or something like that that's augmented reality yeah um and you yeah, absolutely love it it's such a fantastic tool because i think as opposed to virtual reality like augmented reality people can experience en masse and together I think humans are very social beings um, and I think that is one of the downsides of virtual reality is where you're alone doing it Mm -hmm. Um, whereas augmented reality you can be sharing it with a group of friends you can all be seeing the same thing interacting with it together Um, and
0: yeah it's really special that's brilliant. And one of the things that we work with when we um, uh, work in the design industry is using the Microsoft HoloLens uh, and SketchUp. Have you come across SketchUp yet? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, um, that's come, Given my background in architecture, that's one of the uh, tools that we use on, almost on a day-to-day basis. And um, it's an incredible feat when it comes to the design industry and the construction industry. And uh, it just allows the person or the, even the client to immerse yourself in the building and the space itself before you even... Think about documentation or anything like that. Now, you mentioned the uh, uh, Facebook, um, oh, sorry, Snapchat filters, and I think Facebook has it as well. Um, so there are the applications that are coming in, and you mentioned marketing and things like that as well. So, what's the importance of AR um, in the new education system and and um, the future generations looking at looking at where they, what the skills they need to learn? How important do you think um, AR is for them? Yeah, I think AR is a really important technology that I think is going to be around for a little
1: while um, or definitely for the foreseeable future where I think we're going to see it continue to grow and evolve and become more advanced. And I think what we're seeing is kind of that convergence of augmented reality and virtual reality and mixed reality into something that... Um, is really fluid and really easy to use for people. Um, As far as technology in general, I think, and especially augmented reality in the classroom, um, I think it's about creating immersive experiences for your students. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that when it comes test time students can be students might have done an ar experience about the amazon rainforest or something like that they might be exploring the rainforest seeing all the different wildlife and then when it comes to the exam or comes to their assignment and they're trying to recall oh, what were those like what were the animals in the amazon rainforest if they did an ar experience it's going to help trigger that memory yeah um and i think that for me is where i see technology really playing its role in the classroom is helping create um unique experiences for students so instead of just reading out of a textbook and doing the entire term reading out of a textbook when nothing's really going to jump out or really stick in their mind if you can create those special experiences that are really going to stay with those students um through the use of technology and augmented reality experiences um that's where i see the real benefit in education coming from and it also links directly with student outcomes and student results
0: yeah yeah well said and uh, just clarify for me um What's the difference between AR and MR? Because I've heard mixed things and uh, some, some people say that mixed reality is augmented reality. Some say it's completely two different things. What's your opinion on that?
1: Oh, look, I think it's a very gray area at the moment. <laughs> there are so many things that I see falling into mixed reality that I'm like, actually, no, that's a hologram. Or actually, no, that is AR or that's virtual reality. And I think it is a very gray area at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what I see is mixed reality is kind of like that step up from AR. Like AR is the simplified, simplified, like really easy to use version where you can literally just download an app on your phone and in 30 seconds you're good to go. Yeah. Mixed reality I find usually takes a bit more time to set up, a bit more time to create, and is a little bit more complex. But I think with that offers a bit more of an immersive experience. Um, I think though mixed reality is still one of those technologies that is so new it takes it's going to take a little bit more development before we see it really become mainstream it's still got a few of those bugs it's a little bit glitchy and it's going to take a bit more time um, yeah. to really start
0: to pick up. Do you think the importance of um, tools like Google Glasses coming into play everyday use if, if something like that becomes mainstream um, it's, or, or a fashion accessory um, it might actually catch on quicker do you think? I think so. We've seen, like, the Google Glass, I absolutely love. It was a
1: bit of a um, fail the first time it came out, which was really sad because I think it does have a lot of promise. But I think it's that whole thing where the technology just needs a bit more development, um, which Mm -hmm. I think comes naturally. We see it with every new technology that comes out, even going back to when, like, the first um, touchscreen devices came out. Like, they were glitchy. They took a while to catch on. But now everyone's got one. Um, I think especially too when it comes to these technologies, as teachers and as educators, we need to be getting our students to work with them and getting really comfortable with them um, because they are going to become so mainstream and they're going to be the tools that students are working with when they get into the industry. Um, And I think what's really interesting is when we see... Like we work with um, hundreds of schools all across the country and all around the world. And what we find really interesting is going from school to school to school. You see some schools that have got like Oculus, they've got Google Glass, they've got the latest and the greatest technology that's actually being used by industry professionals, which is Mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic to see because their students by the time they get into university and by the time they get into industry. They're already really familiar with these tools they know what they can do with the tools and they're not hesitant to pick them up and start playing yeah Um, but then at the same time you go to other schools where they're still just implementing ipads into the classroom and these students i think um start to become a little bit more disadvantaged when it comes to getting into university and getting into the industry um but at the same time i think a lot of teachers initial hesitations around this sort of technology is the cost because you do have to fork out a few thousand dollars for a lot of these devices um but I think it's about doing your research and finding those low-cost and no-cost alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that we we really focus on in our workshops is not one piece of our technology costs more than $70. Um, so it's something that you can incorporate really easily into a school budget. And because of that, we've just done a bit of hunting around. You can find, like, we use a fantastic free AR tool um, called Zapper, mm-hmm. um, and it allows students to create their own augmented reality experiences totally for Perfect. free. Or if you want to get a little bit more advanced, I think it's something like three dollars or seven dollars per student um so it's super low cost um and as well as that too like one of my other favorite examples is google aiy um Mm -hmm. they've got um artificial intelligence kits they've got um a whole range of different like vision kits as well that you can build your own google home um for no more than i think it's like 30 dollars. perfect which is really great to see and i think whilst it is fantastic for those schools that do have the budget to go out and get the industry-grade technology, um, there are so many different DIY um, resources out there that are so accessible and perfect for the classroom because I think as well the doing everything DIY gives your students so much such a richer learning because they have to troubleshoot they have to figure out okay when that goes wrong how do I fix it and it really enriches the learning experience um so they get such a deeper understanding of the technology how it works because they're having to pull it apart and put it back together again
0: yeah no I think that's well said and I completely agree with you um if I'm not Mistaken. I think you're referring to learning through play. Mm. And um, I think one of the conflicts when we work with a lot of teachers that we constantly get asked is um, there's that battle between the previous generation's teachers or the existing um, teachers who are a little bit... Scared of the um, the change that's happening with the technology changes that are happening. Even even yesterday at, at our VR workshop, there were teachers concerned, and one of the um, the feedback that we received was they're scared on how they would even think about implementing these things because it it it's a little bit beyond their uh, mindset, their skill set, and. Um, when we when we then speak to them about learning through play, like you just mentioned, and allowing your the students to make the mistakes and find out um, the errors and find the solutions and go through the process themselves, you're more facilitating rather than telling them what to do. So, what what do you think um, is important for teachers to be able to list? Um, embrace when it comes to these new technologies should they go down the pathway of having um, to learn these technologies inside out or should they actually be more facilitators and allow the students to learn through play
1: yeah absolutely i love the word facilitator like for us all of our um, workshop team that run the workshops we call them facilitators because i think as opposed to teachers where you're teaching content you're more facilitating the learning um, Mm -hmm. and you're showing students how to find those answers and i think there are a couple of different Mm -hmm. points i'd love to touch on in this one um and the first is for teachers to have that sense of play even when they're discovering the technologies Mm -hmm. like me one of my favorite things to do whenever i find a new technology that i want to incorporate into the workshop is i invite my mates around i'm like hey guys i've got these new 3d printing pens come over for an afternoon um we'll sit around we'll have a play have a glass of wine or something like that and just play and see what we can create with them and see if we like them um and it's such an awesome way to learn because like, I think we've all got that big kid inside of us, um, yep. no matter how old we are, no matter um, what kind of background we've got. We've all got that sense of play where we go, wow, when we see something yep. that kind of resembles magic. <laughs> um, and I always love sitting around and playing with my mates because we get a chance to get a really good understanding of ourselves. But at the same time, if we're having fun, chances other kids are going to have fun as well. Definitely. And, by having a play around with it, we're going to see where the issues start to arise. Like we might say, okay, cool. Like a 3d printing pen can get jammed this way, but this is how we can fix it. And you kind of have that background knowledge and a base level of understanding. Um, but at the same time, I still learn every, like I still learn something new for every single workshop I walk into. There's going to be a student sitting in there that has been working with 3d printers like for the past four years and they might be 12 years old. Yeah. Um, and I love, like I'm, definitely one to admit that I don't know everything there is to know and when a student comes up and says oh I used a 3D printing pen to create A, B and C I'm fascinated and I want to learn more and I encourage our team to do the same thing Um, I was working with a teacher at the end of last year and she was saying she's absolutely phenomenal she's taught all around the world um she's taught at international schools she's taught at private schools at public schools the works um and she's had such a fascinating range of experiences and she's probably the most technology savvy teacher i've ever met um but she what i love about her is she says she's got this deal with her students she says right i can pay for the test and make sure you get good grades and i'll teach you everything i know Mm -hmm. but i'm only going to do that if you teach me everything you know Um, perfect so she's got this deal with her students where if they find a new technology, if they see something on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, they've got to come and tell her the next morning um, yep. and show her how it works. Brilliant. And if it comes to the point where she's got to order in like one of these that they can play around with and figure out how it works, she's more than happy to do it. But she wants the, t- the students to teach her. Yep. Um, and at the same time, she wants the students to teach the other students. So... What she loves doing is um, she's got these open plan classrooms where she might have a year 12 class working on one side of the room and a year seven class working on the other side of the room. That's perfect. Um, yeah. And then she says, if one of the year sevens are having trouble with something, instead of her going over and fixing it, she's going to send one of the year 12s because it's that whole idea of building an understanding through teaching it yourself.
0: And they become thought leaders and understand the content more and a collaborative environment. It's a win, win, win all around, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you build such an
1: awesome sense of community where the year 12s are comfortable talking with the year sevens. And what... What I even love as well as she said, even when the year 12s get stuck with something, I often find the year 7s will know how to fix it because they've got yeah. such a different way of looking at things. Yeah. So it also ties into that whole idea of reverse mentoring, which is one of my favorite, um, like all time favorite terms, which is the whole idea that young people have got so much they can learn from more experienced and older people um, in the industry and just in any kind of circumstance. But at the same time, Um, those older, more experienced people have got so much they can learn from young people coming up these days because young people have got such unique viewpoints and such unique perspectives Mm -hmm. and our generation they're called the digital natives because we've grown up like for me i was born in the year 2000 um i don't know a world without wi-fi or touch screen devices like my first phone was an iphone 4 makes me feel old (laughs) (laughs) um and like so many of the kids graduating these days are those digital natives and because we've grown up in such an interconnected world we have such a different way of looking at things yeah um so we're seeing even in the industry companies where they're consulting with their interns and putting their interns as leads on projects to help come up with these crazy
0: ideas that's amazing and I think I'll, and I'll bet you that um, t-shirt has an amazing relationship with the students and they probably love her oh, more they than do. anybody and they're, they're probably her favorite t show, isn't it
1: absolutely yeah and she said that's what she loves about it is she doesn't have to set these kids homework because she knows the kids are genuinely excited and they all have got like little competitions between themselves to see who can bring the most technologies um, to their teacher and say, hey, we should do this. Because they know that if they bring a technology to their teacher that their teacher really enjoys, um, they're going to get to learn about it in class next term.
0: Exactly right. And I think it also creates, by giving them that freedom to um, almost take the lead and uh, work on solutions and problems that they feel connected to and close to, it builds that accountability, I think, um, for the student to actually care more about then. Homework or work doesn't seem like a chore anymore, so school becomes fun. Absolutely, and that's what I love, like the whole idea of teachers and students collaborating on lesson plans,
1: um, which pretty much says that students, they're all over like what's current and what's relevant at the moment. They know the skills and the technologies that they need to be able to use in the industry. Um, but the teachers they've got that really sound knowledge of the curriculum, the pedagogy, and what need like what boxes need to be ticked pretty much. So what we're seeing in some schools around Australia is where the students are coming to the teachers with all these ideas, the teachers are going to the students with all the curriculum elements and they're sitting down together and co-writing these lesson plans. um, Which is so great to see because the students really take ownership of their learning.
0: Yeah. Do you see that happening across a lot of um, schools or is it uh, pockets here and there?
1: Yeah, it's still pockets here and there. um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's something that's really starting to catch on. Like the teachers, what I love seeing is when a teacher's not afraid to say, I don't have all the answers or I don't like... I don't know what we should be doing.
0: It's a very different mindset to what teachers knew 10, 20 years ago. Oh,
1: absolutely. But it's having that, being able to have that vulnerability with the students and say, right, what do you guys suggest? Um, And that's when, I think that's what truly makes a really great teacher these days um, is that ability to acknowledge their own weaknesses.
0: I see that battle um, across a lot of schools where um, if the if the head of department is actually forward thinking and embraces that change and um, approaches learning as a lifetime thing and doesn't matter if it's a year one student t- 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 um, saying something new they take it as something to learn but uh, when they then work with teachers with that older mindset I see that conflict all the time so it's in a, in a little bit of a transition phase at the moment and uh, it's it's really interesting to see what happens um, what are your thoughts on um, where these skill sets um, stand in preparing the future students for the future of work, mm-hmm. um, because now they might, there's jobs that didn't exist, career paths that didn't exist five years ago, and uh, we can't even speculate. We sorry, we can only speculate what's going to be available in five years, ten years, twenty years time. So one of the thing, our biggest concern that teachers have is um, their knowledge and their skill sets that they know now being obsolete and not preparing their students for jobs that might not exist, might exist. They don't even know how to even approach that. What are your thoughts on that? And how, how do you think AR and these skill sets, 21st century skill sets, fit into that? Yeah, absolutely. And what I actually love is the QCAA, the Queensland Curriculum Assessment
1: Authority, um, they've just published a set of 21st century skills with their new senior syllabus for yep. year 11 and 12 students, kind of building on the general capabilities all across Australia. Um, and they've said they've identified these 21st century skills as essential for student success in the workforce of the future. And I was reading through them the other day and I actually love them. Um, they look fantastic. They focus around four main pillars. i um, mm-hmm. saying that Queensland students, when they graduate, they need to be entrepreneurs. They need to be innovators. They need to be lifelong learners and they need to be responsible global citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're four really key traits that every student needs um, in the 21st century and, It's the whole idea of, I think, connecting your classroom with the world. Um, It's one of my favorite things is seeing, like, even just going back to something as simple as video conferencing or calling. Um, Like, it's been around for ages, but it's such a useful tool and I think so underestimated. Um, Where we're seeing schools that are Skyping um, industry professionals all around the world. So you might have a science class that's Skyping a scientist in a lab in Germany. Um, I know I jump on, like, a bunch of different calls where I'm like a shark on Shark Tank um, for schools all around the world. Um, And just getting in touch with those industry representatives on a global stage, firstly, showing your students that you can talk to people anywhere in the world, like distance is no longer an issue. You can have kids in regional Australia um, working with professionals in New York City um, without actually having to get on a plane or anything like that. Um, and at the same time too, it shows them as well. Like it brings that expertise into the classroom, um, yeah. at no cost. Like what I find is the teachers that are actively on LinkedIn and that are actively on Twitter, um, they like if you're not afraid to reach out to someone and say hey i've got a group of students do you mind giving up half an hour of your time to come and chat to them people are more than happy to do that like of it's the whole idea of giving back and the give first mentality um yeah. so for teachers don't be afraid to do that like i absolutely love when a teacher reaches out on linkedin because it shows they have an initiative um and they're acting how they want their students to act as well i'm um, setting a great example for them and I'm more than happy to give up half an hour of my time to jump on a Skype call with
0: some students. Of course. And, and I think that those kinds of skill sets are important and being familiar with it because when you go out into the workforce, no longer do we actually have to be restricted to the people in our office. You might have an office and people working on in India or China or the US and be sitting in a basement sometimes in Australia. So um, that that is a very plausible future of work. And um, yeah, I think you're 100% right. That's, that's awesome. And how do how do teachers and educators approach this method and, and embrace this change, do you think? I think sharing is crucial for teachers embracing this change. Um, one thing we
1: see is teachers all across the country trying to reinvent the wheel, um, going through this journey, which is a long and... Um, constantly evolving journey Um, but they're all going through it by like they're all going through it alone and trying to reinvent the wheel themselves Um, that's
0: very scary that's what's causing their stress
1: exactly I think that's what's so scary because teachers have got so much on their plate already with looking after student well-being looking after curriculum and pedagogy assessment marking and everything else they've got to deal with on a daily basis like they don't have a lot of time to go out and come up with these new programs, look at this new technology and see what's happening in the industry. And that's where companies like us are coming in and saying, Hey, we'll help you with that. Like we've got it sorted. It's a full-time job to keep up with what's happening in the industry. But yeah. I think as well, one thing that's something any teacher can do right now is creating a LinkedIn account and a Twitter account and jumping on those and getting really active um, yeah. on Twitter. I absolutely love the ed chats. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just type in hashtag edchat um, and you can see teachers all around the world jumping on and talking about and discussing these real and relevant topics, talking about what they've tried in the classroom, what did work, what didn't work, and their resources, where they got them from. This is a global forum? Global forum. Perfect. Um, so you can have them anywhere from your community, like it might be a Brisbane edchat to a global edchat or a Denmark edchat. You can jump on with anyone. Yeah. Um, and also jumping on LinkedIn. Um, I One of my favorite things to see is I'm connected with a bunch of teachers on LinkedIn and I love seeing them sharing just short little videos photos or blog posts about the work they're doing in their classroom um talking about the activities they've done how they designed their new stem hubs and their maker spaces um and the activities their students have been doing um because i think it gives so much inspiration for what is possible um Mm -hmm. but at the same time as well i think it helps give teachers other ideas like i know even for me um that does a lot of work in classrooms it gives me ideas for new workshops i'm like oh wow they did this like we could incorporate it into our workshops in this way we could do all these other things um and i think it's such a great way to get inspiration without having to pay hundreds of dollars for a conference ticket and take a couple of days off work you can jump in whenever you've got a spare on lunch or even just when you're sitting at home watching tv um, after school and it's such a great way to get that inspiration and connect with these thought leaders from all around the world, like send them a message, comment on their post, ask them questions about what they're doing and if they can share their resources. Because I think the teachers that are really leading the way at the moment, um, they have that same mindset of this needs to be a group effort. We can't be doing it alone anymore. We've got to band together,
0: share our resources um, and really... Work towards the same goal. Hundred percent, and that's that's exactly right. It's um it's t- too overwhelming for one person, and um and I think teachers need to first change that mindset of um, understanding and embracing that change, and taking learning as something that is a part of their teaching, and um r- rather than that old mindset of I'm a teacher, I'm going to tell you what to do. So I first need to absorb everything, and then regurgitate that. It's more a collaborative process with your student as well as with other teachers, as well as with industry and bringing everyone on board. And we have the platforms and technology to do it. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, what, are you, uh, what are your thoughts on this um, Australian curriculum changing and aligning with the um, US system, with STEM and um, the ATAR system? Yeah,
1: I'm actually very excited about the new um, curriculum. Like, it looks really great. Like, one of my favourite things, I was even just going through, like, one thing we did recently with the team is we went through the Australian curriculum um, and the new Queensland senior syllabuses as well. And what I love was especially the business studies in the Queensland senior syllabus that gets students actually interacting with industry and looking at all stages of business, where I think, like, business studies traditionally have been very much, like, looking at these big corporates, these big case studies, um For companies that like Ernst and Young and Deloitte and Rio Tinto and Telstra, but what I love now is seeing that they 've incorporated small and medium enterprises um, they 've incorporated startups and small business into the curriculum, which is where students are going to start getting their jobs in like small business like smes um and startups are really starting to rise and take a fair chunk of the market um, at the moment in businesses that we 're seeing in australia and um, where jobs are starting to creep, like pop up, it's in the startup space, it's in the small business space, um, yep. and that's why students really need that, um, I guess, kind of experience of what are these businesses, how do they function, how they operate. Because if you go into a startup or a small business using everything you've learned about your case study on um, Ernst and Young or Deloitte, you are going to be caught out. Like you are not prepared for that, and I love seeing it update like whilst Mm -hmm. i think it's created a lot of stress with some teachers around the um around queensland and around the country being like oh my gosh we've got to update our curriculum i think it's good because we need to be keeping our curriculum fresh and current and new Mm -hmm. um and i'm really excited as well to see it connecting as we do see a constantly interconnected world like starting to link with foreign curriculums as well
0: yeah
1: um but i think one thing that i have found is australia is definitely one of the leaders that i've seen as far as education Um, Mm -hmm. especially queensland i think. One thing we've really noticed as we've been working with schools in other states in Australia and also in other countries around the world is that Queensland has got such fantastic initiatives um, for all of these programs, um, for STEM and entrepreneurship studies. Like, they've really placed a big emphasis on preparing our students for the 21st century with the government, with corporates and with schools themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. They're doing a really fantastic job. So I just say, keep doing what you're doing. Um, It's 100% on the
0: right track. Perfect, perfect. I think that's... um, um Relieved words to hear from um, to our teachers and and then the government officials working on it tirelessly. So that's a very good thing. Um, we've also got a lot um, got young listeners as well. Um, do you just touching base on one of the things that you mentioned before, where schools want people to become more entrepreneurs and and um, I think innovators and things like that. Do you think that's for everyone? I think it's for everyone to
1: give a crack. Um, I don't think. By no means do I think everyone is born to run a business. I think it takes a very, very special kind of person to be a founder, to be a CEO. Yeah. But I think it's something that students should always give a go like those entrepreneurial skill sets whilst you might not use them to start your own business they're skill sets around being able to work collaboratively in a team think Mm -hmm. outside of the box with your creative ideas like your creative and critical thinking to be able to present your ideas to be able to formulate and execute on strategy they're skills that you're going to use no matter what career path you want to go into whether it's nursing teaching um running a business or anything like that i think they're all
0: really important skills to have so even if you actually um don't choose to found and um found a startup or your own company, you can then fit into one and then become an entrepreneur. And those are still skill sets that are valid. I think, yeah, absolutely. Entrepreneurship is something that I don't think
1: is being focused on as much as it should. Um, I think one thing that we saw recently in the Brisbane startup space was where... Um, everyone was wanting to be an entrepreneur like everyone had to be the founder and there was a serious shortage of startup supporters like we had all these founders out there with businesses that were starting to grow and they were going oh crap we like we don't have anyone to help us out like we need a second in charge we need those followers to help us and jump on our team Um, so I think definitely like there's nothing wrong with being a follower like these founders, they're going to need supporters. Um, and it's up to you to be one of those supporters. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, those entrepreneurial skills are something that are great for students, whether they want to work in a business, whether they want to work in a like highly specialized profession or no matter what they want to do, it's those skills they're going to be really important for them. Um, But I think my advice for anyone that is out there wanting to start a business would to be just start. Like, you don't need to come up with the next groundbreaking idea. You don't need to be working on the bleeding edge of technology and innovation. Start a small business. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a lot of pressure at the moment on startups, which is fantastic. Like, I love startups. They're um, what I live and breathe. But at the same time, small businesses are just as great. And Um, call it a side hustle if it's cool. (laughs) Call it a side hustle. And as well as that too, don't discount your education. I think we've seen a massive wave of... Um, young entrepreneurs coming through to like yeah stuff the system like drop out hustle from day one yeah and oh my god if i hear that one more time i think i'm gonna vomit
0: um <laughs> i think it comes from that um misconception because the market of oh, the media sorry and on social media there's a lot of push saying "Oh, uh, the mark zuckerberg and the um the bill gates and the steve jobs who dropped out of university who's become a millionaire and then and i think uh one of the business uh, educators um an Australian business educator, Jack DeLosa, he's, he's very similar. And he's been one of my mentors in the past and 26-year-old college dropout millionaire. That's literally one of his taglines. Tag and it becomes cool to drop out of uni or school and then go do your thing. But they actually don't, they've underestimated the fact that the, even these gentlemen, they actually did still go through some sort of a formal education to give give themselves a foundation and then they're built on that with their creative thinking. Absolutely and I think one thing we see
1: like they whilst they might be college dropouts they're dropping out of colleges such as Oxford Cambridge like they're dropping out of top tier educational institutions that they had to work their butts off and get a really good education Mm -hmm. um, to get into in the first place so I think a good solid foundation of education is really important, like at least get that year 12 certificate because you never know when you're going to need it. And I think there's a really fine line between something going from a side hustle to a full time hustle. I think you've got to start it as a side hustle, like keep going with your education, keep going with your job, like start it up, like start learning your lessons now, getting in revenue. And then once you've got a really constant stream of work coming through. Um, and once you've pushed yourself as far as you can physically go, that's when it's time to start looking at transitioning. Um, but I think there's nothing wrong with the side hustle. And at the same time as well, you don't need to go into, like, the cutting edge of innovation. You can start at a local market selling hearings. You can start selling lip balms and soaps. Like, it's these skills that are going to help you. Um, and and you well a
0: perfect example of that doing Exactly, it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's, like, you don't have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars investment either to be a real founder, a real entrepreneur. Like I think one thing that I see as well as a lot of um, like 14 year olds, 15 year olds that are like, yeah, I'm going to go raise half a million dollars. It's like, right. What investor in their right mind is going to give a 14 year old half a million dollars. Like yeah, yeah. if we're being realistic, it's all about proving it, like proving yourself first, like learn your lessons. And if you can say, yeah, I've just done like 10 K in revenue, that's fantastic because you've done it off your own back. You've learned how to bring that money in yourself. Um, and there's some credibility and viability behind what you've done. There's the credibility, absolutely. And I think as well, like you're going to make mistakes throughout a business and it's going to cost you money every time you make a mistake. And I think it's much better for young people to make a mistake with $500 than with $500,000. Um, so yeah, I'd say start small and grow big. Um, the skills that you're learning even while you're doing those small businesses, um, they're going to help you no matter what area you want to go into. Like I still use skills now when we're managing a 15-person team um, that I learned when it was just me in a one-man band. I'm sitting in, yeah, dad's backyard laser cutting key So perfect. Yeah, those skills are going to stay with you. Um, I'd just start something, start small and start building your network as well. Like get out to as many events as you can, start talking to as many people as you can, um, and learning as much as well.
0: Yeah, and that's actually one of the pieces of advice that you gave me the last time we, we met, So, uh, and um, that's, uh, that's brilliant. One of the things I think um, that's quite important to outline to our listeners is the fact that um, at the end of the day, it does all come back down to those 21st century basic skill sets of communication and creative problem solving and creative thinking, um, and it doesn't it's not a one size fits all model and uh, being able to embrace that fear of mistakes even and fear of change and go with a constant learning approach uh, whether you are a teacher or a student so I think that's brilliant I'm, I'm very mindful of your time and you're a very young, busy, busy individual. So I don't want to keep too much of your um, time for the podcast. But do you have any last um, words for our listeners, any wise advice or anything like that?
1: I think I would just reiterate my points around like just start. Um, it doesn't have to be big and grand and fabulous. You can start small and start building out from there, whether you're starting your own business or even for teachers, if you're starting a new Um, programming or activity in your classroom. Like you don't have to overhaul your entire curriculum all at once. You can start by implementing a piece of technology into the classroom for like 10 or 15 minutes on a Friday afternoon. Um, Just try it out, see how it goes. But I'd say always be seeking feedback again, whether it's on a business idea you've got or for a teacher, if it's a new activity you're implementing into the classroom, um, talk to your students and say, Hey, did you like it? Did you not like it? What were the pros and cons of it? And get their feedback. I think We've got to really embrace that um, constant, like agile loop that I know a lot of startups use where it's like build, test, iterate. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all the the idea about like build something, implement it, see how it goes and then um, get a bunch of results on it and then tweak it and try it again. Um, And whether it's a business, like a product, you should be constantly doing that. Or even for a teacher, I love the idea of doing that with your lesson plans. So every time you run a lesson or every time you run a unit, like each time at the end of it, sit down with your students and say, hey. What did you like? What didn't you like? And how can we make it better for next year? Um, Because if you're constantly doing that, that means your class is going to be interesting. They're going to be engaging. And students are genuinely excited to come to your classes because they never know what they're going to see next. And they're going to become better learners. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And just reach out and share. Like, I think we're all working towards the same goal. um, And the faster we can get there, I think the better it's going to be for our entire society. Um, One quote that... I always use with my team um, and I think it really sums up the work we're doing in the education space is our world is faced with so many problems these days and students in school now are going to be the ones that are going to have to solve those problems Um, and we can start working to try and fix them in two ways. We can do it in the industry where we have the power of one person um, but in the classroom we have the power of an entire generation Um, and I think that is really why we do what we do. It's about inspiring that next generation, um, that next generation of students that digitally not just digitally literate but digitally confident that can create with technology and they can really um use it for social good
0: that's a great quote i actually really love that one of the things uh one of the quotes that i live um live by and i tell my students or whether they're teachers or um high school or grad students um is that become the architect of your own future and live by design not by default so it, it, it it's all aligns with that same mindset so that's brilliant thank you so much for your time mate and um i think you've been a true inspiration for our teachers and and the uh, younger listeners as well, um, and um, yeah, all the best with Bob Industries. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to talking to you soon.